All right, we are back. It is Monday, January 15th. We're going to be recapping all of the latest rumors in Major League Baseball. Hello, and it is Dylan Campione, Henry Kalani, and Nico Fernandez, side retired podcast here today, giving you a rundown of the latest in Major League Baseball, some signings, some rumors. Cubs Fest had some interesting rumors coming out of it, and of course, if you haven't yet checked out, last week was a great week for us. On the interviews front, we had a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voter, in fact, the first voter to not put Adrian Beltre on his ballot, join the show as well as an MLB player agent and a former big leaguer, so check out those episodes if you haven't, but You've got your three common folk without any MLB experience on the show today, Dylan, Nico, and Henry. Boys, how are we doing? Good, bro. The Red Sox, you know, continuing their trend of being interested in every free agent without actually signing one. So, you know, it's good. Can't complain. The Red Sox are going to be filthy. (laughs) We do have a team on the podcast that did sign a player. Marcus Stroman is back in New York with the New York Yankees. He signed a two-year, $37 million contract. There is a third-year vesting option that kicks in. I believe it's $18 million for that year three if he throws 140 innings in 2025. Let's go to the Yankee fan first. Henry, the thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Yankee Twitter was sort of in, like, sort of blowing up. Some people really loved it. Some people hated it. I think the only reason anybody hated it was because he Stroman had blocked them on Twitter. But honestly, this is a great signing for the Yankees. Marcus Stroman is the type of dude from everything that I've seen. I've ended up watching a shocking amount of his starts when he was on the Cubs last year. I love the way he takes them out. I think his swagger is great. Obviously, that was there was that thing with him shuffling on Soto. And Soto was even commenting on an Instagram. Like, now we get to shuffle together. So, like, I don't think there's going to be any locker room beef there. Um, no, I think Stroman was a great a great signing, especially at that price. I was, I thought he was going to get a little bit more than that. Um, and I mean, you can see from his Instagram, he's happy to be, he's happy to be a Yankee. I think that while his Mets tenure didn't go as well as I think Mets fans might've hoped. Um, I think that it's a real recipe for success with him probably being either the two or the three behind, behind Cole and then maybe Rodon. I think that he's going to be an awesome innings eating depth piece. And I think that, um, That's going to work really well for the Yankees. I'm super happy about it. I think the three reasons, and let me hope I remember them, that the Yankee fans should be really excited about this signing. One, massive ground ball pitcher. That's his go-to. He's not a strikeout artist, and he doesn't give up a ton of fly balls. He's a ground ball pitcher. And at Yankee Stadium, where you keep the ball on the ground, you're likely going to win ball games. That is a perfect environment for him to pitch in. Number two is the dependability. This year was the first year he actually experienced like a decent amount of injuries which i think wasn't really his fault but other than that he's a consistent workhorse works five innings one run five innings two runs almost every single start he goes out there 179 innings two years ago 180 innings a couple years ago 200 innings back to back in 16 and 17 with the blue jays this guy eats innings and it's pretty cheap 18 million dollars for marcus stroman or 16 million dollars for frankie montas I think it's a very easy Marcus Stroman. I think think I'll take Marcus Stroman there. Exactly. And then the third one is that Mets angle, because I think you just mentioned that Mets fans weren't entirely happy with how Marcus Stroman's tenure with the Mets went. 
I don't think it was his fault because when Stroman came in at the 2019 trade deadline, he was acquired basically to be Zach Wheeler's replacement. And that Wheeler was a free agent after the year. The Mets acquired Stroman, even though they weren't really in the playoff hunt, thinking, oh, we're going to lose Wheeler. We've already signed our replacement in Stroman. So losing a guy like Zach Wheeler hurt. But Stroman that year put up a 3-7 ERA and looked really good. He obviously opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID. 2021 led the major leagues in starts with 33 and posted a 3-0 ERA. I think Marcus Stroman has proved he can pitch in New York on the big stage. He had some electric games with the Blue Jays in the playoffs. So I think I really like this signing for a Yankees rotation that Cole's an ace, if not the ace of baseball. And check out that episode next week. That'll be a fun debate. But Rodon, you don't know what you're getting out of him. Clark Schmidt threw the most innings of his career last year. Nestor Cortez took a step back last year. We're hoping for a rebound. You need another guy in this rotation. And maybe it's Rodon. And at the price he's being paid, it should be Rodon. But Marcus Stroman is a very solid number two pitcher in a rotation when he's at his best. Yeah, I mean, I think, and usually I think I'm kind of negative about the Yankees and no, I'm not going to say I'm Frank the Tank level, but I, I don't necessarily feel the most positive about a lot of the moves they make. I think that I will be watching spring training very closely to, for, to watch Rodon and Nestor starts just to see how their health um, how their health moves through spring training because I think that that will be huge to see whether they'll be able to have complete and successful seasons is just simply can they get their legs under them? Can they get strong enough and feel good enough for the season? Um, I really like Clark Schmidt as a, and Nestor as a four and a five, but adding a guy like Stroman makes me feel a lot more secure about the, about the rotation, especially when you have some guys like a Luis Heel, right? Mm-hmm. A Luis Heel, sort of a, sort of a, a not not really a known factor for the Yankees, but I I've seen that guy pitch in person. He he shoves when he's healthy, so he's a he's a guy as like the sixth starter who I'm a little hopeful to see something out of. But if he was our fifth guy, I would feel so much less confident. So this the Stroman piece adds a lot of security, at least for how I feel when I look at the rotation. How about and there's four I'd call them good slash. Very good pitchers available out on the market still, and that's Dylan Cease, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and Trevor Bauer. Do you think the Yankees dabble into any of those markets, or is this now your Fab Five rotation? Maybe you got a guy, I know we mentioned him last week in passing, Michael Lorenzen. Yeah, I mean, a boy can dream, right? I think, honestly, the two that I would that I would think that there might be some movement on are Montgomery and Bauer, right? Montgomery kind of because former Yankee, yeah, I know he probably doesn't like Cashman very much, but I know he likes that clubhouse. He's still very close with a lot of those guys. Um, and then Bauer because Bauer will take a pay cut, right? Like what, if there aren't that many MLB suitors, right? And I know that he had talked that he had, he had, had talked about being in contact with one of the two New York teams. Um, I think you can get Bauer at a very affordable price, so I wouldn't be shocked if there was if there was something there. But I don't think Snell is. I don't think Snell's going to happen. And from the reports of what the White Sox are asking for, I don't think the Yankees are in a position to feel comfortable giving up that many pieces for Dylan Cease. Speaking of a guy that doesn't seem to have that many suitors, Nico, we're going to bring you in for this one. Cody Ballinger. This past weekend at Cubs Fest, Dansby Swanson basically said. Before we get things started, we need to re-sign Cody Ballinger. Is 
belly back to the Cubs the most logical solution to this whole thing? I think from a term from terms of like need and desperation, I don't think it is, but I think it's what should happen. I think that again, we've talked about the Cubs that they went and they made a lot of steps, had a lot of steps forward this year. And I think you have to build on that. You had steel breakout. Um, Dansby seems like he's going to be your shortstop of the future. That didn't flop. Um, Christopher, Christopher Morrell seems like a stud. It's the logical step to go and just keep on building. And then taking away Bellinger seems like you're just trying to go backwards and not build on what you had last year. And I think Dansby sees that. I think that's why he said what he said. Dansby came out and literally said, like, before the season starts, we have to re-sign Bellinger. And I understand the worry about Bellinger because I'm going to be honest, I see it too. That's why I have Bellinger low on our center fielders list because at the end of the day, like, you don't know if this is what we're getting out of him next year. But at the end of the day, I feel like the Cubs at, should see the most that like, okay, he worked with us. Let's re-sign him. And look, maybe they're just playing the waiting game because at the end of the day, he's asking for a very high price tag and the interest is seems to be lacking. I think there's a lot of teams that kind of same similar with Snell. There's a lot of teams that are interested, but none really at that price tag. So maybe the Cubs are trying to see if they get about a cheaper thing, but I think the best thing for the Cubs is to go and get Bellinger. I don't know if Bellinger is the best fit because I think that a lot of teams need him more. So maybe teams could get desperate, but I want to see Bellinger back with the Cubs. It's where he succeeded and it's where I think he has the best chance of succeeding. Two follow-up questions for you guys, Henry and then Nico. Who gets more money, Snell or Bellinger? Total? or yeah. Who gets a bigger contract? I, They're both I think reportedly it'll be Snell. asking for 200 I think it'll be Snell. I think that. I think that. Do they both have Boris? Uh, I believe. I believe they do. Good question. I think. Um, Boris. Um, I think that. I think that at some point, that the Cody's camp is not going to be able to be like you can. You have to pay me based on twenty twenty three. I still think that there that there are some concerns, and Blake Snell's a reigning Cy Young. I think he's going to get more money. I think Cody will get more years, um, but just at a lower AAV. Confirming yeah. they're both Scott Boris clients, Nico. I think that Bellinger, I'll say Bellinger for a simple reason if he's younger. And I think there's, weirdly enough, I feel like in the eyes of teams, I think there's more desperate teams for Cody Bellinger, which is weird because teams seem to always be desperate for pitching. But I think there's a few teams that he can work very well with and that they'll feel like they need him. For example, we've thrown it out before, Toronto. I think that there's a very good chance that Toronto gets desperate and they feel like they need to make their push now and they give Bellinger what he wants. And I think for Snell, even though he's a pitcher and pitching, you are always desperate for pitching. I think the market seems a lot cooler on him, meaning I don't see the teams that are going to be as desperate as a team like the Blue Jays. Maybe it still is Snell, but... That desperate team hasn't come out yet, so I'm going to go with Bellinger. I think they're two free agencies. I don't know which is going to go which. One's going to get the $200 million deal that they fully expect. And one is going to be, because I think, remember the Bob Nightingale interview, you said both these guys likely are going to be out there late February, if not into spring training. I think one ends up getting the $200 million deal. And then I think one right before free agency is going to be a high AAV two-year contract, maybe a three-year deal. That doesn't exceed $100 million, but like if Blake Snell and the Mets or Blake Snell and I don't want to say the Dodgers, but Giants. The Red Sox. The Red Sox. 
Yes. They go they go to him right now and say two years, $90 million. He's saying no to that. With an opt-out after year one, make $40 million this year and just try it again next year. Me personally, if somebody offered me $40 million, no, I would not say no to that. <laughs> just, that's just me though. Is that I think you're saying it from like kind of a little bit of bias because there's really only one team who does that structure now. Like no one does those two year ninety million dollar deals except the Mets. So you're I mean, basically the Dodgers did it two years ago with Trevor Bauer. That's true. Okay. I I know it's gonna be dumb to say, but I think this is it with the Dodgers. Uh, I the Dodgers no the Dodgers aren't the Dodgers aren't signing Blake Snell. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not signing Blake Snell because I don't God, think this might be down if he does. Bobby Miller, <laughs> Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, and Emma Sheehan, they want to develop. So I think that since they have so much on wanting to develop them, I think they're not going to sign someone just for that reason. They're just going to trade all of their starters for Fernando Tatis to the Padres and <laughs> just let, let the Padres have the greatest young pitching core of all time. <laughs> uh, let's talk about one pitcher that is already on the move that happened this last week. Underrated move, and I don't think he actually signed for as much as everyone was expecting. Shota Imanaga is already a Chicago Cub. It is technically a four-year, $53 million deal. There's some opt-outs as well as some extension add-on similar to the Garrett Cole contract that can make this either a three-year or a five-year deal. But the AV is really low. And this is, I think, a low-risk, high-reward signing from the Cubbies to get a similar to Senga deal from a year ago with Shota Imanaga. Yeah, I mean, you know, $53 million is a lot more than I have, right? But, dude, you you I waited think like for that. 40, 48 hours before you before your deadline and you signed for 53 million dollars i was expecting some blockbuster 80 million dollars over like over the next four years like something really crazy this was such an affordable price for the cubs to get i was and if i'm the cubs front office i feel like belly's our last move that we have to make and then i really like what they have going right they were able to find a replacement for stroman and I think that was huge for them just to keep sort of the pitching core that they already had um, and have somebody to accompany Justin Steele. But now you need one more bat, and I really like the Cubs' chances in that all central. Yeah, I think that um, the thing is the expectations for Managa are severely higher than his contract. I think that, again, when you look at what the market's been this year, he's getting up. He's a super budget baller. I mean, we're talking about where Lucas Giolito is getting 19 mil and Frankie Montas is getting 16 mil and we're getting him an aga on it. You're getting him an aga on the cheap. It seems like, again, the low risk, high reward, because with how the pitching market has shaped up after Yamamoto and after Otani, getting a guy for four years, 53 mil, like you would think that you're getting a guy with an eight ERA nowadays. Cause that seems like what people are the going rate for starting pitchers is like Luke again, Lucas Giolito had a seven ERA this year and he got 19 mil. What, Everyone probably thinks that's a little bit of an over that is an overpay, but again, the market has been severely shifted up because of Yamamoto and Otani. So being able to get him an aga on the cheap, I think it's just a great move for the Cubs. I like it. and then the last move that happened this week that we want to discuss a little bit. Jordan Hicks to the San Francisco Giants. Four years, forty-four million dollars, which at first everyone says four years for a reliever. That's a lot. Giants have since said, no, he's gonna be a starting pitcher for us, which I think is why they gave him a bigger contract than a lot of teams were comfortable doing. You know, the Yankees were in, the Blue Jays were in, uh, a couple of the teams rumored to have had interest, but four years is a lot. But then you look at the Giants' rotation, and they he's need technically it. they're two right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fascinating. No, he's a. Well, so Logan Webb is the clear one. We all agree on that front. Yeah, Alex Cobb and Robbie Ray are now injured, and they are both expected to miss the first month or two of the season. Uh, And that leaves Kyle Harrison and Jordan Hicks as the two and three, and Ross Stripling and Tristan Beck as the. Don't hit Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling has a banger season every once every like two or three years. (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked if he's great. Um, I mean, I'm not one to hate on turning relievers into starting pieces, right? The Yankees did it with Michael King to some success at the end of last year. Four years for Jordan Hicks, though, who even as a reliever has had some shaky, some shaky years. It's bold. It's bold, right? Does it feel like as of late the um the Giants have sort of panicked a little bit? Yeah. But at the same time, if you're if you've got the space, right? We we know that the Giants have money, they just haven't been able to put it anywhere. So if you've got a little extra dough to throw around and experiment with a Jordan Hicks, who you can always move back to the bullpen if it's not working out, um, I I I actually like it. Jordan Hicks is we've seen how hard that guy can throw. He's a good pitcher. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how the whole convert to a starter thing works out. Yeah, this contract seems very much like the team that's trying to look really smart in a couple of years. And I think that that's kind of what they're going for. Like we've talked a little bit about how no one wants to take a risk and sign a bad contract and everyone wants to look like a great GM and sign like a super vast, like underpay for on someone. And I think that that's what this is. I think that again, from a stuff perspective, Jordan Hicks should work. Meaning his, all his pitches are hard and move a lot. So in theory, he should work. But again, it's just actually seeing that. Again, he I think he got tried a few times for the Cardinals out of the starting rotation, and it didn't really have much success. Again, the the Giants are a very smart team. I, I think I said a little bit a couple of weeks ago that the Giants could just walk in with whatever rotation and I think still have a top 10 ERA. I think when we were talking about Robbie Ray, I think they're, they're going to they're gonna be at the top no matter what. And again, if their pitching lab is that good, I think that there's a chance that they can figure out Jordan Hicks. And this looks again like, wow, four years, 11 mil a year, and this guy just pops a 2-9 and they're out of nowhere. And everyone's like, what the heck just happens? I mean, that's in the realm of possibility. I, I'm not as high at it on Henry as well, because I, I think that it's not going to work, but definitely interesting. So Jordan Hicks, the Cardinals did attempt to make him a starting pitcher during the 2022 season. He made eight appearances as a starting pitcher. He went 0-4 with an ERA of 5.5 and also had his strikeouts dip uh, to below a strikeout per inning pitched, which that's not the, great the, results. Especially hey, give him some training. When you're a sinker ball out of the bullpen, like because he kind of throws that two-seam sinker like very hard. Yeah. When you get to the starting pitching, your strikeouts tend to go down a lot. Like I personally saw it with Garrett Willock. Garrett Willock had like a crazy strikeout rate. As soon as he got brought into the rotation, the two things that dipped were his health, obviously, and also his strikeout numbers. So again, it's because being a starting pitcher, you have to learn how to pitch without just a hundred percent intent, just one inning. Um, so they could teach him. Uh, if there's anyone that's going to do it, one of those teams that could do it would be the Giants. The problem is I still think the Giants are a fourth place team. Absolutely. Like yeah, no I love the Jung Hoo Lee edition and I like the Jordan Hicks edition. 
But overall, is a lineup. You're not beating the Padres. Flores I'm sorry, you're not. Three, and with Kyle Harrison starting game two of a series, that's not going anywhere. I mean, I mean, friend of the pod, Jolly Olive, just posted something about the 2021 Giants. Um, it, it This team really does feel like it's so lost without those, like, core tenants of the 2010s that like it just it's so hard to even see where they go like how do you improve this team you tear it down as much as i I, I know but but what what are you even tearing down you're tearing down wilmer flores this is the definition of mid and like that's why like when kapler got fired i got so upset because i consistently thought that this team outperformed what they were and I understand yeah. that they collapsed towards the end of the year, but I don't think that it was a collapse. I think it was they regressed to what they actually were. Like, there's only so much a manager can do. I think that, again, this is not a good team. Be- before Jung-Hoo Lee got signed and Jordan Hicks got signed, you couldn't name three people on this team be- before you went to, like, Evan Longoria, who was playing for the Diamondbacks last year. Like, it's that simple. They're just not a good team. Like they don't have a good roster and everyone thinks that they have a better roster than they do because they've outperformed their expectations, which is why I got so upset that Gabe Kapler didn't got fired. I will say they do have an interesting young core. I'm not going to call it a great young core because that's where the Braves and the Dodgers and the Orioles are. But if the Giants decided, let's take a two year period of trade off all tradable assets. And I would include Camilo Doval in that because there's no use in having a good closer while you're not good. I would keep Logan Webb. I think he's young enough that he's the center of the rotation. And then you have some pieces that are sniffing the major leagues. Give them a year or two of experience before you go fully in. And that's Kyle Harrison. That's the new shortstop Marco Luciano who's expected to play on opening day. That's their new catcher who did a lot. Patrick Bailey. That's their future closer. Tyler Myrick. That's their other left-handed starting pitching prospect. Carson Weisenhurst. Good pieces to have. And then it's going to be tough because I know Farhan Zaidi is also, I believe, in a contract season right now. So telling him you're going to tank this year, he'd probably say, sure, I'll tank, but please give me a contract extension first so I'm secure. Uh, Jung-Hoo Lee also in that core as well. But the Confortos, the Flores, the J.D. Davis, the Tyro Estrada, the Rogers brothers, Camilo Duvall, I'd fire sale at the deadline if this division is going exactly as we think it's going hunt on 25 and by 26 after getting a good draft pick in 25 and having all your young guys develop and be big leaguers for a year and a half at that point then maybe you've overtaken the Padres and the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are going to be a force for the next decade no matter what happens but the current construction of the Giants are a lot closer to finishing in fifth than they are to finishing in second Absolutely. Yeah, it's just they're just not they're just not a good team. And to be honest, I'm not as high on their core as you are. But mm-hmm. I think that they have to I honestly think they have to tear it down. Like just completely. And again, like you said, like he's in a contract year to GM, so I don't know if that'll happen. But the best route is they don't have like when we look at other cores and other people that are on the come up, like they have their guy. Like, they have the people that are going to be their young core. When we're talking Marco Luciano versus Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens. Well, I, I think they're... I, Ali Rutschman. They're hoping it's Patrick Bailey's Buster Posey, Marco Luciano's Brandon Crawford, and Kyle Harrison. I, okay, I I'm, I'm gonna, thinks that that's what they're going to be. No one truly... So, 
I I I I believe I buy the Patrick Bailey hype. Um, I'm a Tyro Estrada lover. Look at that dude's numbers. Um, no, mm-hmm. like like look at that dude's numbers. He's still like pretty young, but no, I do agree. You sort of have to trade anybody who is older than Tyro Estrada. And, Tyro Estrada was um, number one on a top ten second baseman list. I, Tyro Tyro Estrada is very good at baseball. Um, I think you keep honestly you keep Estrada. You keep Harrison, you keep Bailey, you keep Luciano. Everybody else Logan gets Webb. shopped at the and Logan Webb, and everybody else gets shopped. That's yeah. at this point. That's what you gotta do. I think it's fair. It's definitely an interesting direction with the San Francisco Giants, and of course, we will be back if there are any breaking news, trade stories in Major League Baseball. We do have a solid week of episodes coming up we're gonna be with spring training approaching we're gonna be bringing on some college baseball players as well as some minor league baseball players and hopefully a big league or two stopping by over the next few weeks to get ready for their spring seasons we also are going to continue our john boy connection i know we had a blast interviewing max manis taylor jackson and all the others that we've had on so looking forward to having another one on on actually tomorrow's episode when you get to that chance to listen to mm-hmm. that one but other than that i think we're all good Baseball season continues to be slow moving and nothing happening, but hopefully that changes relatively soon and be on the lookout for some great side retired content. So follow the Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube at side retired pod, email us your top 10 right fielders episode. That'll be later this week. So side retired pod at gmail.com reminder, Aaron judge is not a right fielder. So do not include him on your list. We had him in center fielders last week, but I think we're all good. So until the next time, the side is retired.